Well, what yeah. we need is like a weight on the sole or, or some type of dial and you just turn it for how many more yards you want. So if you <laughs> build that in, like, turn it up to 11, maybe that's as high as it goes, I don't just know. Just let your fitter turn a bunch of dials for you and find out what that distance equals. Hey everybody, how you living? No putts given, Tony and Chris, we're back. And we have guests. We have Justin Thomas with us today. In, in the background. Yeah. Form, in the background, <laughs> absolutely. But more importantly, who do we have with us today, Tony? Why don't we let them introduce themselves? How about that? So we don't screw it up. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I'm the director of Metalwood Development for Titleist Golf Clubs. And I'm JJ Van Wiesenbeck, uh, director of player promotions uh, on the PGA Tour. What does that actually mean? What do you do? Yeah, so I uh, oversee kind of our, our tour teams, fitting professional golfers kind of around the world, and then uh, try to liaison that information back to Stephanie and her team on what players are looking for. So, so you're basically the one who creates problems. Yes. <laughs> Chief problem creator. How, how did you guys, you know, just respectfully, how did you get into golf? What's a little bit of your kind of background and story? You don't necessarily wake up one day and be like, hey, I want to be director of Metalwoods at Titleist, and here we go. So what? how did you get from where you were to kind of where you are today? Um, well, I come from a family of golfers, and uh, I had played golf throughout high school and was fortunate enough to get to play golf at the collegiate level at the University of Michigan and studied mechanical engineering there, fell in love with the game of golf and said, how do I bring these two things together? And so as an oddly focused 18-year-old, you could say I, I went and pursued this path and have been fortunate enough now to work in the golf industry and golf product development and research for uh, 20 years. So Ann Arbor, you went to? Yes, go blue. <laughs> so my hometown team, my CSU Rams, right, are on the road playing at the big house this weekend. And they're currently 30.5 uh, point underdogs. Uh, do, you feel, do you feel like that's a fair line, Steph? Is that something you would wager on? Well, not a wagering uh, person, but uh, I, I feel pretty confident that my, that my Wolverines have it down this weekend. We'll see. It could be an ep uh, upset of ep epic proportions. So it could. It's they, <laughs> I don't like my chances either, but. JJ, how about you? How'd you how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, I actually grew up about two blocks from a former PGA Tour stop. So I was kind of exposed to professional golf at a young age. Um, it was I went to the PGM program at Penn State and was working at a country club and kind of fell into a really good situation where, where um, I had a member who was um, consulting for some fitting outfits and got the chance to use one of the first track mans, one of the first flight scopes and help vet out some radar fitting and was able to meet some folks um, that worked for a Kushnet at the time and moved to California and kind of embraced that fitting aspect and working with Stephanie and the other R&D team to just go, hey, we can take all this stuff even a little bit farther in terms of fitting and product uh, at the highest levels. And how long have you both both been with uh, Acoustics slash, you know, titles in your respective positions? Has it been around the same amount of time? I've been with the Cushnet Titleist for 15 years. Yeah, and I'm I'm coming up on 17 years with a Cushnet and five years in my current role. 
and we have the Big Ten covered. So we got Penn yeah, State, we got, we got <laughs> uh, of, the Big Lots of Midwest, Midwest people find their way out to California. That's for sure. Yeah. Right, before that, that, we talk about TSR, you know, I know you're excited both to talk about it. I got to ask, what golf ball do you each play? I play Pro V1X. Need all the launch. I'm in the same spot. I'm a little lower launch, lower spin, so I'm Pro V1X. 2021, JJ, I know you like to you like to dig I, deep into the archives. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love the new aerodynamic package on the 21 golf ball. Um, little coastal breeze. It's it's really good. So I'm 21X. How about that? How about that? What are the chances? I'm shocked. I thought it was going to be like 2015 <laughs> off book. <laughs> 2013, the original left dot formulation, maybe. Right? Right? Well, let's dive into TSR stuff a little bit because I know that we're excited uh, on our end having you know, had a chance to hit it, see it, learn more about it. But thought this might be kind of a fun time to to dig into some of the background design process and then, you know, a lot on the fitting side as well. Uh JJ, but you know, coming from TS to TSI and now into TSR, what were you hearing from the tour players in terms of you know what did they really want out of a driver next iteration, and you know how consistent were those messages from from those guys and gals out on tour? Yeah, I, I think the the first thing that's always asked for is faster. Um, you know, it's, it's normally just like a consumer. It's the top of every tour players list. So as we moved from 917 to TS to TSI and now TSR, that was always kind of at the forefront. Um, you know, the surprising one for us is we just had our fourth consecutive season on the PGA tour of being the number one driver on tour, um, which I don't think a lot of people are recognizing. So this momentum has been building and, and sustaining on the PGA tour level. So we work really hard with Stephanie's team on shaping and sound, but a lot of the performance variables are similar to what just anyone would want in terms of launch, spin, and speed. So, Steph, you you have JJ in yours, but you're also getting feedback, I assume, from from your sales team, from fitters, and and probably from your marketing guys as well, who have certain requirements <laughs> for the you know, the, the retail challenges and things like that. So. Are those, do you ever run into conflicts there, like between what JJ is telling you tour wants and, and what the market, the broader market wants? And you know, how, do you, how do you manage that when there are sort of differences? I think for the most part, there's pretty good alignment with regards to drivers specifically. So when we talk through drivers, you know, we have four distinct models. And so we're always looking at how do we optimize the performance of each of those models for the target player with the three being that player that's a little more precise, the two being the all-around forgiveness, and the four being that ultra-low spin player. Um, so there's good coverage there, I think, with regards to what tour needs are and what, you know, all golfers need and the feedback that we get from our fitters and sales and marketing teams. Where we've diverged at points in time, I've actually been with more of the fairway woods and the hybrids and the gapping clubs because tour players are already very well optimized in terms of their launch conditions. They're not necessarily looking for those clubs to go further. They want to hit a specific number. So that's where you see some some disparate like thoughts with regards to what general golfing population needs versus sometimes what the tour needs. But we do a good job of balancing that in terms of 
through build specifications and the way that JJ and his team fit fairways and hybrids to make sure that what we're making for everyone is also what's very much so used on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think we at Titleist end up in a in a very unique spot. We always take the Bob Vokey line of we actually have the best R&D um, research team in tour pros to provide feedback. And so, you know, the sound and the feel that a Justin Thomas is going to like normally resonates with a really good player. So, you know, being in that, you know, avid golfer space is there is a lot of overlap in what that look a player is looking for in terms of face angle, shape, what that sound region is. So we end up seeing that. So in the room, there isn't normally that big a divergence. Uh, and then with flexibility of, of weight adjustability and sure fit hosel, um, we can get to a lot of the places. Um, it's a little bit, I think, why you see our skew mix being bigger than some companies. Having three fairy woods, having four drivers, having 13, 15, 16, 5, 18 in multiple models um, kind of gives us a lot of overlap to help the market, but also help the tour player. And right and left-handed this time around, right? Where yeah. if it's available righty, it's going to be available lefty. And it, this leads me to a different question too. It's like design isn't a linear process, right? Like you don't start here, end up here, and everything was just perfectly smooth, right? And there's a, a gentleman, and we won't say his name. We won't speak of. We are forbidden. Uh, for we are forbidden to acknowledge. But part of his job, right, is to give you indications, feedback, maybe when things don't work exactly as they should. With TSR, what were some of the major hurdles that you had to overcome? And, you know, were there any kind of major problems that were, you know, like this was a huge, you know, breakthrough to get from step five to step six? That was the biggest jump. Like, where did you hit those roadblocks and how did you overcome them? I think, you know, we're constantly trying to push the limits and with TSI, we had introduced a new face insert material with ATI 425 that's incredibly high strength and high flexibility too. And it almost was a solution to a problem for us at the time. We had a really aggressive face insert design, but it didn't necessarily meet our durability and lifetime use criteria. Well, our engineers, we've had two more years to kind of advance and look at that material and how do we apply it? How do we leverage it to make even better face insert designs? And so our first foray really pushes the limit too far. And so that's always the case. We're always trying to figure out where is the limit of the performance of the material and how do we bring as much performance uh, and speed to the player that we can. So that was one element. Another element that's iterative in nature is uh, the aerodynamic improvements that we've made to the TSR series. So with the drivers specifically, uh, we have an aerodynamicist on staff and our research and development team that has allowed us to look at refinements and shape. So you take two steps forward, you take one step back in terms of what you learn and gain. And and ultimately, we bottle all of that into what you find here in these shapes. And the ability to swing the club faster is something that's unregulated. And so our ability to leverage more speed to the player in these designs through aerodynamics is really powerful as well. You don't think You're the EPA is going to make people just go, hey, you can only swing at 110. You are not allowed to swing it any faster. We are putting a cap on how fast you're allowed to swing a club. You don't see that one coming? No more gym time for anybody. 
more. Donuts, mandatory donuts. <laughs> mandatory first tea donuts. So, so as you mentioned, you, you know, TS, TSR1, we're, we're allowed to say is, is coming later, coming in the spring. So you've got four drivers, three fairway woods. Is that, is that how we want to count it with the four, 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 four fairway right. woods? Oh, I, I, I already forgot about the one. I'm terrible, but so with, with all of those different sort of niches within the market to fill, was was any one model in that lineup more more challenging to kind of find the right formula to to make it quantifiably better? I think the three was definitely probably our most significant challenge. the The TSI three has been the most dominant. Uh, probably use driver globally over the past couple of years across all of the tours. Um, and it's just been incredible to see the adoption of that. It was very, very fast, but also had exceptional launch and spin characteristics and and center gravity fitting capability, as well as our SureFit hosel system. So it was a complete package. So when JJ and Josh, our uh, VP of marketing, came to R&D, they're like, okay, don't change this. Don't change this. But we want it to be faster. We want it to be longer. So when engineers get those constraints put on them, obviously that makes it more difficult and more challenging as to how we can improve and, and drive better performance. But we've been able to do it with TSR3. Um, we have a new innovative face insert design called Speed Ring that allows us to really concentrate more deflection at face center, which is bringing more ball speed to players. Um, and we've made refinements aerodynamically as well as to our SureFit CG system that are allowing uh, the best fitters in the world like JJ to really leverage and unlock more speed and distance for players too. Yeah, that was definitely from a tour standpoint, we thought we came with the impossible problem. Most played driver on tour. Everybody's in love with the shape. The feels great. It's in a sweet spot in terms of launch and spin and forgiveness where guys are loving the performance off center. So don't change anything, just make it longer. Um, so that was a big ask. And I think all, as our reps around the world have gotten TSR and our players have gotten it, it's amazing. You know, you give it to a tour player, you're like, you can't make my driver better. And then you get into the nuanced areas of, wow, it is a little bit faster on center, but it's a lot faster off center as well. And the spin and launch characteristics off center are really consistent, which are really powerful for a tour player. For me, kind of the thing with, again, the three, as a guy who, who's played the three, I played it all of, you know, part of last season and into this season to, to put the TSR four or three rather, excuse me, right behind the ball. And say, my God, this, this looks to me like the same driver. And then to see, you know, ballpark two miles an hour ball speed improvement. And it's all right, this is good. Cause I, I loved everything about the driver. I love the way it looks. I love the sound, the feel. I love that I hit it straight. And so to, to do most. all of that without, yeah, most of the time, sometimes you know, things happen, but to, to have this thing that is incredibly familiar, like you just peel the plastic off and it's, like I said, it's comfortable and just have it be a little faster. Like I, I see it. I think that's really cool. That was, yeah. that was a fun thing we experienced from the prototype testing was, you know, we brought out TSR3, TSR2 and TSR4 to our photo shoot and commercial shoot in March. And they were in prototype stage at that point in time. But, um, you know, Cam Smith, Will Zalatoris, literally they set the driver down, they go, what's, what's different. And so everything that's different about TSR three, a lot of it's under the hood. Um, but immediately they started playing with it and hitting it and getting fit for it. And it was 
night and day in terms of the performance. They they both asked, can I take this this week? And we're like, no, not USGA approved yet. That leads me to another question too, which is, and, and kind of one for one for each of you, but does that fact potentially hurt you at retail in the sense that, you know, you see a lot of things out there and seeing some sneak peeks of, of other Metalwoods from some competitors, right, coming out next year. There's a look and feel and things that are very different. TSR, like I said, purposely doesn't look or sound or feel a whole lot different because they don't want to change those things. I guess, what is the challenge there in terms of, you know, reps, fitting people, et cetera, when they might look and go, ah, well, it doesn't look that different. It can't be that different, right? Like I can see consumers conflicted about that. Yeah, I, I think the key word that you said there was fitting. If you're on a fitting tee, is the performance is going to win. And that's where we feel like Stephanie's team has given us a winning combination. So if you look down at a driver and it looks good, and then you hit it and it felt good, and then you look at the numbers and the data says, wow, that was great launch and great spin. And then you hit 10 shots and you're like, wow, those are consistent launch and spin numbers. Because we'll see, you know, with certain competitors, highly variable numbers in that space. You'll see the 1600 to 3600 spin. When we can condense that and make consistent flight, that's going to be more performance on the golf course. So as a fitter, my goal is to help a player have a better experience on the golf course, which is normally hitting it farther, straighter, scoring better. And so that's the, the beauty of the product is that performance is going to be what, but what drives it to a win. And we do do things to make them look different. You know, if you looked when you guys saw the TSR2, pretty drastic change in shape, TSR4 changing in shape. But we had a really good model that you want to improve the areas you want to improve, but you don't want to hurt something that, you know, if she gave me a new shape that said, this is way faster because of, sure. But if it, you don't do something just to do it. Josh doesn't get to make it, you know, put a decal on say, <laughs> hey, I just want that on the crown. I would, Thank I would goodness. Give, that's part of what I love about Titleist and, and our philosophy and the way we design and engineer products and that it is purely about performance first and foremost. So as an engineer, that floats all of our boats because we we love the fact that we get to drive the engine of this business with the product performance. And so when you ask me about what's different under the hood, well, everything's different about these drivers. Everything's better. Everything's improved. We're turning all the dials from face insert design to aerodynamics to center of gravity position to adjustability. But the fact of the matter is, is a lot of it's in a very classic look that I think dedicated golfers prefer. And so um, I think that's a really powerful position for Titleists and our metal woods to take. Yeah. So JJ, when you're fitting players, obviously you fit the best players in the world and you fit people like me and Tony who are not the best players <laughs> in the world yet. What, how different is that when you're, you know, you're talking about the things that, you know, like, Hey, what Justin Thomas likes to look, sound, you know, look, sound, feel that that translates a lot. From the fitting standpoint, how different is it when you're on the team with, you know, Cam Smith, Will Zalatoris, JT, these guys, and then, you know, the next week you're on the team with Tony Covey or Chris Nickel, and you're going, oh, man, this is a, this is a different animal here, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I actually get an advantage with, you know, take a Justin Thomas is I've known Justin for since he was 19 years old. So the list of things 
I know what the look is. I know the sound we're, we're going for. I know the types of shots. I know his spin windows and things like that. Honestly, the harder part, you know, meeting one of you on the tee for the first time is I got to ask a lot of questions really early before we even hit something um, to know, define better. Um, and I think that's the one thing when you're going through a fitting, make sure you define what's better. You know, if my seven iron goes 10 yards longer, does that make me better? Well, not if it comes out super flat and it's rolling over the back of every green. Same thing with a driver is, hey, are you looking to bring uh, direction in? Or are you, we looking to add distance? Do you hit more than one shot with a driver? Or you're just, hey, I need something that only does one thing. You know, again, Justin Thomas hits a lot of different shots with his driver versus Will Zalatoris. He hits one. He hits a cut. And that was part of the impetus of uh, TSR 2 Plus. He had, now we have a really long three wood that draws. So he likes to have just those where Justin hits a really high draw with his driver, kind of a stock cut, and then this really low cut as well. So we need to get him in a space so that it does all those things. I'm guessing a little easier to fit a tour pro, but what, what could an, if, if an average golfer like me or Chris, or, you know, I would guess most of our, our viewers here had the opportunity to watch you fit a tour pro. What do you think they could take away from that? Yeah, I think the, the big one is, um, is we try to focus a lot on centerness of contact, you know, take sure fit hosel. One of the reasons why that has stayed around, why, why do you have that same hosel system is because it works. So what the loft on the driver said versus the dynamic loft you're delivering, we'll spend a lot of time for a player. I can add a degree and a half to an eight and get up to a nine five where I can take loft off a 10 or I can use a nine. So I have kind of three ways to get to a similar dynamic lofting, but I can move strike location with that and then add line into that. I can change some start lines that being open that, hey, I, I can't play an eight degree driver. I pl always play a nine five. Um, you know, I'll see players that say that a lot. I'm a nine five. Well, we can get there a few different ways and we can change that strike location. And that's powerful for speed and then consistency and launch and spin. So that's always a great spot to kind of start with, with a fit is getting it closer to center and then working it left, right, and up, down from there. I love that. You mentioned, you know, we've kind of touched on where the speed comes from. So I don't think we need to, to delve into that too much. You mentioned the aerodynamics and the face technology. And the one thing too, that you touched on was the center of gravity position. Right. And, and as we discussed, when we were out with, with the two and the three, you've shifted that center of gravity forward. And while that does tend to give golfers more fall speed, there is an MOI penalty for that. So you know, we, that's one of the things we talk about a lot and people get excited about when they ask us, Hey, what's the MOI number on this? This is with, with TSI. This is a case where this number is lower than it was with TSI. So you know, tell me why golfers shouldn't be concerned by that. Yeah. So in engineering terms, um, inertia in terms of its benefits, the player is logarithmic. And what that means is that the higher it gets, the less of a benefit that it has for the player. So there's diminishing returns to over-engineering just to hit a really high MOI value. So in our strategy with Titleist Metalwoods, we're always looking at how do we balance and bring the best of all of those elements. So we knew by the repositioning of our CGs for TSR that we could make a faster driver 
and that we could do it without a penalty. So anytime you can make a head faster, but also keep the inertia very high, and these inertia values on the three and the two are still exceptionally high and in a very stable spot, that we're going to see benefits to that. So if you look at TSR2 as an example versus TSI2, that driver we see for over half the players that are fit into it, and you guys, I think, experience this in your fits as well, that it's two miles an hour faster and seven yards longer. Um, so that combination just points to, and that's in a stock-to-stock -stock unfit condition. So that points to the fact that just dropping a you know 100 points of inertia, but gaining quite a bit in terms of your, your ball speed is a, is a good trade-off. Um, so inertia, when we look at design, I like to rank it probably about fourth on the list of key variables. First and most important is you want to make sure that you can hit the appropriate center gravity position. You want to make sure that you can dial in the face insert performance accurately. You want to make sure that you're addressing aerodynamics as well. And then you want to maximize inertia as much as you can within that package. Because when you can do that, then you're able to deliver a really high performance product that's going to meet the player's needs. So that's kind of the order of operations you could say that we take when we look at our metal woods so moi is like sunscreen that's my analogy for the day <laughs> because like i i always thought like spf 30 and spf 15 i always thought 30 was twice 15 it's not like Correct. you go from 30 to 40 to 50 and it's you know whether it's you know logarithmic is that where there's kind of this diminishing marginal utility like each additional little bit of SPF protection isn't the numerical value. So like from 30 to 40 is not 10. It's like an extra 1% or something. Um, and good analogy. Yeah. And there's sunscreen is MOI. <laughs> Go with that for now. The, but it's also interesting, you know, we're, we always want to push R and D. So we've asked for higher MOI drivers and what, they are good to show is, okay, we'll show you that and then put it on motion capture. And sometimes it's at a penalty to club head speed that when you get into other thresholds, it actually slows the head down as it lines up at coming into impact. So you watch the, the dispersion and it's not that much tighter, but it's slower. Um, so they do an incredible job of showing us these prototypes through the process and go, we can go there and make just the number look right. But now it's slower. Do you want one that's not that much straighter and is slower? Uh, or do you want one that's going to feel as straight and be faster? So the MOI, anything that's the, the tour players bring up with you, JJ, is it that big of a concern? Is it any kind of concern or is it really? Well, now that I have the SPF analogy, I, I have a better way to explain it. But, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, somebody will see a post and so they have a concept. Um, but again, luckily for a tour player is we're very performance driven. And the great part with TSR has been the face technology is helping us in retaining um, ball speed and retaining spin. And that's been kind of the, the highlight reel from a tour fitting standpoint is, you know, a, a tour miss heel when they're trying to cut it, missing a couple dimples inside is the spin isn't spiking. And the tour miss draw a couple dimples toward the spins not plummeting. And so those are really powerful shots on the fitting tee for a player to go, I know I'm going to hit that shot in competition. And that 
spin consistency and the ball speed consistency is going to put me in a better spot. And I know that's going to translate to me having a better club into a hole and is going to translate into a lower score. So with all those things being said, right, and performance driven and, you know, we'll see it different testing, different things. Obviously, you guys have a tremendous amount of internal data around it. Yet still, we see some players that don't want to switch, right? Like I think of a Patrick Cantlay or somebody who is, you know, and and I forgive like the irons and some wedges and things where, you know, if you're really, like you said, dialed into those spin and launch windows, the next product out may not necessarily be better from a performance standpoint. But like in my head, I'm trying to think of a reason a tour player wouldn't want a little bit more speed and, you know, like you said, more ball speed and, and the correct type of spin retention on off-center hits. Like when you have a situation like that where a guy maybe isn't changing as quickly as everybody, I'm sure, inside would would like them to, how, how do you address that? And, and maybe ultimately, what keeps some guys or gals from going with a product that, you know, is, is by all accounts universally better than, than what it's replacing? Yeah, I mean, um, familiarity is part of it. You know, when we say a better shape, we're, we're trying to make a better shape for, for as many players as we can. So when we change those shapes or change that sound, is there's other players that prefer those other ones. You know, when you look at, a, you know, the, the uh, players that would still be in kind of a 680 shape, there's very few that like a really big blade, a lot of offset, but there are a few of those around still uh, versus kind of a cleaner, less offset, like a T100 or a 620 MB. So there is going to be those crossovers where, you know, that shape or that sound might not be in that sweet spot and a player is willing to, to say, okay, I'm okay with leaving that ball speed because over the ball and the shot I want to hit, I want a certain shape and I want a certain feedback on it. Um, so we'll always be available. We track stats for those player for all of our players and are ready with that information when they're ready to make that change. So what do you hear sometimes with when new drivers come out and you guys now have probably got hundreds of TSR fittings in the book, but we, we sometimes hear about like these magical pairings of, of shaft and head where, where things just come together. And I know you guys put a lot of effort through stock shafts and try not to water that down or, but are you hearing of, of any sort of like magical TSR plus whatever shaft combinations? I guess what I'm driving at is do we all need to be in an auto flex? Give me the auto flex. <laughs> I need the auto flex. <laughs> With center lineup, you you've mentioned this, Tony. We have some great featured shaft options. Um, you know, from lightweight, high launch, counterbalance, all the way to kind of a lower launch, heavier weight. Um, so we run the gamut, uh, as as well as offering multiple brands that are really premium level quality brands. And then we also have a premium shaft line too that we partner with Graphite Design on. So there's lots of options. I don't know. Have you seen any trends on tour in terms of where players are? Uh, gravitating with TSR and shaft? Yeah, in our early ones, 95% of our players on tour stayed in the same shaft they were in. Um, we actually got 1K Black, which is a new featured shaft that's the stiffest tip section shaft we've had in a featured shaft, I think, ever, um, that we're finally getting a little feedback from players. And it's a, it's kind of got really nice feel and it's throwing some knuckles out there where we're actually a couple players have hit it We've had to kind of go a click up in loft, um, which is creating some cool environments. So that's one I think we can start to see a little noise on coming up. 
um, because it's kind of just new in the Mitsubishi lineup. Um, So we're intrigued on on getting a little bit more testing in in the fall, but the head's been so good in performance that again, 95% of our our folks have stayed in the same setup. That's kind of what I did. I just popped the head off off my driver, stuck (laughs) on a TSR3, hit it a few times. I'm like, I think we're good. Yep. All right. I'm good. Let's go. (laughs) Did you guys hit autoflex when you came out? I, I didn't this time. I did last time out. We did. I think last time, Tony, we both hit the one that had been built up for Danielle King. And I would just say that Autoflex did not agree with my tempo. It was, it was, for me, it was kind of fascinating because I, I could feel it. Like it's just so light. And I was moving. I was uh, on the track, man. I'm hitting like 112, 113 head speed. And it's, it's like this towering trajectory. And then we look at it and, uh, Nick, the fitter out there, you know, it was like yeah, it was 10 yards shorter than your Ventus. <laughs> it's maybe not. A- it was spinning like 4,500. We talk a lot about drivers, right? The focus, we know a lot of the clubs like draft off the driver, so to speak, right? But Tony always writes the driver articles. I always write the fairway wood and hybrid articles. And, and like tens of people read them. And tens of <laughs> 20 and 12 and 13 people read my articles. Why should people get excited about the, the fairway hoods and, and like I said, line extension stuff coming in, in September, but right now we're going to focus on, on the fairway woods. JJ, help me out. Why should somebody read my article on the fairway woods? <laughs> so <laughs> ask any fitter, what is the hardest club to fit? They're all going to tell you three wood and it's, it'll be resounding. It'll be the one survey you guys do for fitters. Three wood is the hardest club to fit because it's got to do a lot and players aren't always the best at hitting that club. You know, it's the lower loft off the ground. And so we get in this kind of unique space from a tour player. Hey, I like older three woods because once I find one, I never want to leave it. And then from a retail standpoint of it's a really hard club. So when we talked to Stephanie and Tom Bennett about this, it was, well, what if we just focus on flight first here? Let's make something easy to get launch. And then we'll start working backwards from that. And it was one of the first launches where like the rumblings on the range were about fairway woods where, yeah, my driver's a little farther, but have you guys tried the three woods um, where you just hear the players chatting amongst each other? Um, you don't ever hear that at a launch. And so it's been really cool to, have the line extension of the the two plus, but here players literally asking for three woods where normally they're like, I'll get to three wood in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Maybe next year. I mean, yeah, I'll bookmark the article, come back six months <laughs> later, and then I won't read it. That That's how they treat them on. So the testament to that though, real quick, it was just at the Corn Ferry launch that we actually week one had 34 fairway woods in play for TSR and 31 TSR drivers, which is the most we've ever had at a launch of a, of a product on a tour ever. But the fact that the fairway woods were even more than the drivers um, just kind of spoke to how redefined they are in terms of the. Do you know what, what that number is typically? Like how, how on a few fairway, fairway woods would, would be eight. So, I mean, it, it okay. was a good four times larger than a typical adoption on fairways week one. And that was, was that sort of across the lineup or was that a lot of the, the two plus? I don't In terms of the breakdown, I don't think they had a two plus in play. That was all twos and threes. 
Yes. Okay. Really? <laughs> so the two plus, that's the one I fit into. Historically, that could been a like, club that you did not. But no. historically, that's been a club, right, that titles did not have any fairway wood. What made you guys decide to create that? Because, you know, I'll go back to like Cobra's LTD and some of these slightly bigger fairway woods. The idea of getting, you know, the, the CG kind of right on or close to that neutral axis. High launch, low spin, maybe a little bit bigger head, you know, maybe pushing that. 190 195 cc type of type of volume a lot of people don't fit into that or don't like it what made you guys decide this time around to come out with that specifically and secondarily thank you because now i have a fair <laughs> <way>. <laughs> well we're always looking at where our voids in our product line and and part of the collaboration that jj and and our team have is that we sit down every week and he'll come back to us and say, you know, what? I'm seeing this trend on the tour that, you know, there's more and more stronger, younger, better players. You could just say they're faster and they're no longer really using three woods to hit into par fives from fairways. There are a lot of them are using three woods purely as T specific golf clubs. And uh, for the longest time, he said, you know, we don't need a fairway wood that goes further, but he came back to us and he said, I love one that could go further off the tee. And so, as JJ mentioned, Tom Bennett, who leads um, our fairwood designs on our Metalwood team, uh, he went to, went to the task of how do I make a product that's really going to perform from the tee, but also be able to drive great performance still from the turf condition. And that's the two plus. So it's our deepest, uh, lowest center of gravity that we've had. Um, it's also our highest inertia, largest head volume in a, in a three wood. We're making it in a 13 degree. And I think the most surprising thing has been probably just what players experience when they see it. I don't want people to get turned off when they see 13 degrees because JJ will kind of give the anecdotal story, but it launches in a completely different window than you would expect. Yeah. I mean, that was the biggest debate around the two plus internally was, should we not put loft on it? Um, because it tends to launch so high. I mean, the, the tour story of it is Will Zalatoris at the Scottish Open. It's like, there's this course I play in April that has a lot of tee shots that call for draws. <laughs> I cut it. Can we start working on a three wood uh, for those holes? And so showed him two plus. He's like, he's coming from a 16.5 TSI three. So show him this. He's like, I'm, I'll roll that. I need something that's high in drawing. And so I built him one in a D4 setting, a little extra loft, and his eyes were lost on the first shot. He looked here, the ball's up there. He's like, what is this? And his caddy looks at him, he's like, know where this also would look really good? St. Andrews. So it went in the bag and he hasn't moved it out yet. So it's, it's just a really cool pl product because it's fast. It's got a really good confidence-inspiring look. And if that center of gravity fits you, um, it performs really well. It's so, got what is a fairly complete lineup, I would say, with, with TSR4. But now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state something very obvious. Steph, you are a woman. Mm -hmm. And you are a, not just that, but you are a woman who heads up Metalwood development for one of the biggest golf companies in the world. And, and I see what your competitors are doing in the space. There's a big push now, I'd say, industry-wide. So why, at this point in time, does 
title is not offered, and I will use the requisite air quote here, women's golf clubs. Well, we do offer women's specifications to our golf clubs. And so um, TSR1, which is coming in the spring, our TSI1 in the past, um, we've continued to expand and build out that lineup. So looking at higher loss, looking at what the more moderate and slower swing speed players require. And, and generally speaking, some of the lady players fall into that category. So um, having lightweight shaft options, having lighter head weights, overall build weights coming down, helping them to generate subhead speed and ball speed through that configuration. Also really being able to drive the appropriate launch and spin. So our one category is more of a mid-spin product that helps them to keep the ball in the air and maximize their carry distance as well as their roll. Um, and then you look at what we've done with adding our fairways hybrids to those lines as well. So extending and offering um, higher lofted fairway woods all the way down to a nine wood, um, which is a 23 degree product. And then also in our hybrids going uh, up to a six iron replacement. So those elements and the fact that we do offer those products it's not packaged in what you might call a women's set or a ladies set, but absolutely we have the products to help fit uh, women golfers to play their best golf. Yeah, and my set when there would be Titleist drivers were tied for the most played drivers at the women's U.S. amateur. So we have product that if you get fit, you can play at a really high level regardless. Have you done any testing in R&D to see if pink paint improves performance <laughs> in clubs for women? No shrink it and pink it here at Title End, no. right? I I think it's such a fascinating area, though. Like, you know, I have seven daughters, right? And and <laughs> it's a it's a conundrum all its own, and they're all very different in in their own regards. And and some of them have taken to golf, some of them haven't. Half of them are athletes; the other half are not athletes. Um, but you know, when they look at different things, some of them like something that's identifiably feminine a little bit, like a little bit of color or something like that. But a lot of them don't. They're like, I, I don't want it to look overly girly or I don't want to bedazzle this, that or whatever. That doesn't resonate for them. What do you guys see like in the golf space with women golfers? Are, is your sense that that they don't want? I mean, that it's a, it's a tough area, right? How much do you cater with certain things without, you know, while staying true to kind of your brand ethos and, and what does that look like? What are you guys seeing kind of in that regard? I would say that we know that there are female golfers that prefer kind of being able to have the stylistic choices. Um, but our brand identity first and foremost, and what we're trying to help deliver to golfers, all golfers is better performance. And so if a, if a female golfer or a male golfer is, is looking for you know, products that are going to help them to play their best golf. Um, Titleist is a brand they should seriously consider and look at. Uh, so we feel confident with our positioning in that regard um, and really hope that, you know, more, more players will consider our products as well. Yeah, and with, you know, the in my space there is working with LPGA players, uh, Danielle Kang and, and Jess and Nellie Corda, if I was getting that feedback from those players, I'd be bringing it to Stephanie. But when they are seeing TSR and going, wow, that looks great, I'm feeling pretty good about the space we're in. Uh, and then when they get the performance on a launch monitor and then on course, uh, we feel like we're in a pretty good position. 
ultimately your golf club doesn't know your gender. And so we try to make golf clubs that can fit everyone's. Yeah, that's well said. That's well said, I think. Tony, I have a follow-up question, but I want to know if you have any questions. <laughs> ask your follow. I got, I got one more right. I want to get to. But... All right. Well, and, and you don't have to ask this right now, but I want to know what questions you guys have for me and Tony. We don't, I, I would like, throw, throw it. Bring in, I, we're going to bring in Ask My Golf Spy. Ask My Golf Spy. Yeah, what's a, what's a question? The people out there want to know something. You've got to have these internal questions like, oh, I need to ask Tony blank. What do you want to ask him or me? You want to open? You go first. <laughs> what is your all-time favorite driver, Tony? All-time favorite. Ooh. You can never switch. Yeah. You got to play one forever. Well, I mean, there is a part of me that absolutely loves TSI 3, but I mean, I think in terms of like a bit of magic that I experienced, I would say probably the g400 lst and i hate saying that to the titleist guys but like if i go back and go yeah this one this one just what man, what shaft did you have in there that's a good i think it was the ping tour shaft actually pings pings stock tour shaft ust mamiya probably made that yeah. one yeah it's a good shaft yeah sometimes it's the the good old you know pro force gold you know remember back in the day when so you had that or an EI-70 and something. The Graphili, uh ProLite 35 and 983 combo was one of my all-time favorites. Um, probably right neck to neck with the, uh, the R, well, the 510 TP when they first came out and they actually had a Speeder 757 as the stock shaft. That was a, yeah, that was a hallmark moment, I think. Super quad is one that I, I still have a little bit of affinity for. No, it was like oh no, spinny. And, it was, like, it spinny was and short and off. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was like in hindsight, there was a there was a lot wrong with it, but I mean, it looked good. Might as well play a bomb tech at that point, Tony. Oh, full of it. <laughs> well, JJ didn't say you you live in this perfect euphoria, right? The driver is always going to be the best performing driver in your mind. <laughs> That's right. Right. Exactly. And I'm in a unique space to like, now I'm like, all right, I, I have the opportunity I, to get fit for stuff. And so that's, you know, the stuff that I get fit into and fit in really well, that tends to be my favorite. I, I guess for my question, um, for the mall, my golf spy audience, what do you think drives them to consider a new driver to go out and say, I'm going to go and buy this new driver. What, what influences their decisions? Whatever Tony is playing. No, I think it's really, I hate to admit it, but we all like, you just want to find this little bit of magic, right? This, there's the idea that there's always, always more distance to be gained. And so I think, I think it's, it's always distance. And then on top of that, I think it's in all of us who play this game, like every now and again, we just want new stuff because new stuff is cool. And so there is a timing element. If you can, if you can deliver something that's that's really cool and i think this is you know this is what chris was touching on when he talked about the fact that tsr3 in particular like it it just looks the same and so like that how do you how do you make something that's the same seem really cool as a challenge but yeah it's there is a cool factor that's always in play so that's why you know the the red carbon face is such an awesome story because it, it just pops and so you want to go try that so i think 
sort of the, the just initial excitement, probably when people see something cool drives them. I'd encourage all of those red carbon face users to go and test the I, but Steph, it's a great question because, you know, we know that that core golfer, right. That, you know, they, they account for roughly 50% of all the spending in the golf industry. And, you know, that percentage, that, that group, um, is going to disproportionately buy more product than, than any other group out there. And what gets, you know, gets them excited. I think it is still first and foremost distance. I think when there's, because distance represents this optimism and hope that we all have that as we <laughs> get sure. older, you know, we're, we're not going to hit it shorter. We may hit it longer. We may do all of these things. Right. And, and distance is that hope, right. For, for the average golfer, um, you know, when you bomb one off the tee and you're walking down the fairway or whatever, and there's two balls and your buddy, you know, they walk to the wrong ball because it's the one that's further down and you just kind of keep walking by their ball and walk down you're like, oh, I think you're back there, right? That never gets old, never. And yes, from a scoring standpoint, you know, uh, the best players at, at my course are the best ball strikers. Um, watching, I love watching Boring. wedges Boring. and I, oh, but that is the difference. I get that that doesn't necessarily sell or resonate in the marketplace the same way that distance does. So I think that distance does, uh, you know, people to rank what they want out of a new driver. I think it would be distance number one. And then some I'll of those other this. factors. Yeah. Distance, distance, distance. Looks, feel, sound, you know, playability, whatever the case is. And I think that's where the real challenge lies. Tony and I talked about this on the last podcast was what are the real big areas for improvement? And Tony's like, spec tolerance. Yay. We can make stuff more on spec. And, and consumers are like, I don't care. Like that doesn't resonate, right? It's I want high caffeine. I want big power. I want to try to do some of those things. I want to find another mile or two an hour ball speed. So. I think I think to you know, and I don't know that that changes anytime soon. I think that's what they want. And that's really that's my last question is as we talked about on last week's episode, you know, where is the meat left on the bone for each club category? So within the driver space, first, how much how much meat is really left in terms of speed? How much faster can you go and still stay within the USGA regulations? Uh, well, and, the, and the second piece is where else, where else is there real opportunity for improvement? I think, you know, we're still driving towards unlocking. Is there more opportunities to help golfers swing the club faster, right? Um, exotic materials, looking at, we have a material scientist who's PhD and he looks at anytime new materials are unclassified from the government, from the military, we're looking hey, are there applications that would allow us to make a better golf club, make a better driver, make a better fairway wood with that? Um, so that's the fun for us is that, uh, you know, we continue to look at this box. You could say that there's a box with regards to club equipment that we can design within. And it's how do you push into those corners? How do you reach for that next little bit and bring even better performance to the player? And so um, with regards to, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. I know that there's still th some things that we can do. Um, and we're going to continue to search and study it to make sure we can bring it to, 
to the golfer. Yeah, I, I'm always amazed what Stephanie or your team can do. Uh, I think they do such a good job of there. There isn't, I think what the consumer sometimes thinks is that there's a big lock that hasn't been unlocked, you know, where Stephanie's team finds, you know, my favorite story was TS when she had 20 slides and Josh Talgy's there adding things up and he raises his hand at the end. He's like, does that equal this? Is, is she's not trying to do it in one big, wow, we did one thing and that got somebody all this yardage. It's a combination. So keep pushing towards the, all the corners that it keeps adding up to, to performance. Um, and that's really where it's going to just keep going is finding these incremental and then adding those incrementals back in. Which makes it harder for, you know, consumers maybe to get as excited, right? Sometimes because all those incremental things, it's, it's a bigger story, right? To have to tell. But that's really what we do with Tyler's Metal Woods is we push on all of those things to try to, to try to bring the best possible performance in drivers and fairways and hybrids to players. Yeah, golfers are are like weight loss people, right? Where they want that one magic solution. Oh, there's 20 pounds. But the reality is the best way to do it is little things here, little things there, little I'm speaking from experience. And <laughs> you know, trying to find those those little kind of iterative, right, steps. And all of a sudden, you know, 20 times 0.2 is, you know, maybe better, right? Than you know, one times one or 1.5 times one, because you've taken all these little incremental gains. So Tony, any final thought? Well, what we need is like a weight on the sole or or some type of dial and you just turn it for how many more yards you want. So if you (laughs) build that in, turn it up to 11, maybe that's as high as it goes. I don't know. Just let your fitter turn a bunch of dials for you (laughs) and find out what that distance equals. Yep. So excited to see where this goes. Thank you guys for spending some time with us. Find us on the interwebs. We have Golf Spy C, Golf Spy T. Ask us some questions. Uh, JJ JJ's on both. Twitter too, but he never does anything. Doesn't That's also it. fair. Also fair. But tag us, find us, ask us questions. What do you want to know? What didn't we cover? We'll get you answers. Um, thank you guys for hopping on. Have an awesome, uh, awesome weekend. And uh, until next time, Tony. Kudos to you and your entire team, Stephanie. I think we, we'd be remiss not to say that, right? Yes, great. We out. <laughs>